Welcome to the Kingdom Roots Podcast with Scott McKnight, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today on the podcast, we have a conversation with Andrew Hyatt, the director of the new movie, Paul, the Apostle of Christ. Well, Scott, our listeners really have a, a treat today to look forward to hearing from Andrew. He's putting together an incredible movie. Um, what is it, before we jump into the, the conversation that we have, that you really enjoyed about what Andrew got to share? When, when people like me hear that there's going to be a movie from Hollywood or you know a major motion picture about something in the Bible, there's always a little bit of, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... With Chris and her sister, Pat, we went to uh, a theater to watch this. I said, we, we got to go. I've seen a couple nice reviews on Facebook from friends, you know, just a, a few sentences. And uh, so so we went and we l- absolutely loved the movie and we were we were moved by it. We talked about it for a day. But um, the other side of it is uh, I, I got to thank you, uh, Chaz, for following through and making contact with Andrew yeah. so that he would come on the Jesus Creed or the, uh, what is it called? The Kingdom Roots podcast. And uh, so we, we're we going big time today. We're going to get to have an interview with uh, a movie producer and director uh, who is working with uh, some leading lights. And some of the stories that they have to tell, not only about Paul, but about the characters, the actors, and what this movie did to them, will, I think, will be of deep interest to um, to our listeners. So, absolutely, you know, I, today I'm looking the, forward to, to the conversation with Andrew Hyatt. Yeah, and I think you will too, uh, our listeners. The as Scott said, the Kingdom Roots is going Hollywood. So, thanks for joining us today. I uh, hope you enjoy the episode. I'm a New Testament professor, and uh, I've written on Paul. And so when I see that there's going to be a movie about Paul, I'm I'm both interested, and then anything that comes out of Hollywood, I kind of worry about. And so uh, I saw a few friends of mine who commented on Facebook, and I said to my wife, Chris, I said, let's go to this movie. And I got to tell you, we absolutely loved it. And... Um, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I'm very interested in Rome and Roman Christianity, first century house churches. Um, so you brought in so many themes that were intriguing to me, that were fascinating to me. Uh, I liked how you focused on Aquila and Priscilla. I thought their characters were believable. We don't know a whole lot about them. I tend to think Priscilla was pretty tough, so I, I liked the, how you characterized her or whatever the word is used. I'm curious about Rome, of course, and what it looked like. And I thought the darkness, uh, the lack of sunlight, combined with how uh, what I understand Rome was like in the first century, very, very believable. And of course, I love Paul. And then you had some nice characters for for the uh, for the Roman leaders, the prison, and everything else. I just uh, and. Now, I'm not a, a movie buff at all, uh, but I love the lighting. Uh, so to me, I just thought this is really fun. So, Andrew, I just want to tell you as a New Testament professor, 
a great thanks from people like me who are, are Bible people. We think, um, my friends and I that I've talked to think that this is a credible depiction of, of, of Paul in the first century. And when you had to make things up in fiction, because we don't have the exact facts, uh, they were credible types of concrete uh, events that uh, just struck me as very credible and, and readable and listenable. Anyway. So Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, well, I, I thank you so much for that. Um, Andrew, I don't know how you got all your information. Could you tell me a little bit, uh, and I don't, I'm not asking for any kind of thing that wouldn't be made public, uh, just where, where'd you get all your stuff? Where'd you get your material? Sure. Well, I, I think that to your point, you know, there is a lot of hesitancy with, uh, Bible movies coming out of Hollywood because of the, the last couple that came out, you know, um, and I think the one thing about Paul is, you know, we are as passionate about Paul's life and his story as the audience is. And so, you know, to be scripturally accurate, to be, um, you know, something that is very credible, both historically and scripturally, um, you know, was so important to us. So really, you know, we've, I just started in scripture, you know, I, I had this wonderful um, tool, the uh, Zondervan uh, NIV study Bible, you know, which has an incredible <laughs> amount of, of, of research and a wealth of, of historical knowledge and, and timelines and, and these wonderful things that really helped kind of, you know, you kind of have to approach these things almost like a, uh, you know, a, a detective, right? You're kind of yeah, smooth sure. through, uh, through the material to just really piece together, uh, you know, a timeline and, and these characters and, and who was who and where was everybody at the time that, that, uh, you know, the, the film takes place. And, uh, you know, one of the things, for instance, you know, you look at Priscilla and Aquila, as you mentioned, and, you know, how did how how did we kind of decide that they ended up in Rome? And really, it was just sort of, you know, a giant wall of sticky notes and tracking their movement. You know, when we look at kind of the timeline of when they were, OK, maybe they started in Rome and, and when Emperor Claudius, you know, expelled the Jews from Rome, you know, somewhere around 49. Then we meet yeah, them in, yeah. in Corinth, you know, in Acts yeah. 18 two. And then all of a sudden they're traveling with Paul to Ephesus. And then he's mentioning them when he gets to Romans, you know, Romans 16, 3, 5. So it's yeah. amazing kind of how you can really, when you pay attention to the details, kind of track these movements of these uh, of these figures. Well, the, you know, the, the Priscilla and Aquila one, too, is uh, Roman scholars. I mean, there's, you know, everybody differs. That's what makes them scholars. But uh, Romans 3 through 5, uh, 16, 3 through 5 with Priscilla and Aquila, I, I'm with the many people who think because they are mentioned first, they're probably the leading house church or the leaders of the uh, house churches in Rome. So putting them right there in the middle is good. And Priscilla has a character in the in the book of Acts and Romans that makes you think that she is a leading voice. She's not just a, a pastor's wife that is... Uh, should be neglected. That's the way many people have treated uh, pastors' wives. Uh, and many people in the history of the church have given women very short shrift. This woman seems to be very strong, uh, strong-minded, and a leader. And your tension between her wanting to stay and Aquila wanting to leave, fantastic. I, I, when I saw that, I went, well, I don't know if that happened, but that is a credible way of presenting the strength of her character and um, 
her leading voice in some of these things. So I thought that was very credible. How, I mean, I, I think you've kind of, you've kind of given me your clues. You've used some study Bibles. What about archaeology of Rome, stuff on prisons, um, how, how prisoner, uh, how prison guards would have worked, how, how accessible Paul would have been to outsiders where what kind of sources did you use for that do you remember yeah no it's a great question and we had all i'll have to mention because he really was the brains behind it all uh, our production designer dave aerosmith uh just a phenomenal production designer out of scotland um it was really him and his team you know they they were really obsessive over all the details um as they were building sets and as they were kind of you know, coming up with even the design of the Mamertine prison, you know, that, that that would be based on the historical, you know, the size and and, and the situation that, that uh, Paul would have been in. So they really wanted everything, you know, even from the color of paint on the walls to be yeah, entirely yeah. historical accurate. accurate. And um, I think they did an incredible job. And I think that's really the, the credibility of the film really really comes out of those those details and so yeah it was it was really a lot of they dug really into um you know historical books and um a lot of archaeology uh as as you mentioned you know a lot of museum pieces and things that they were yeah, able to piece yeah. together just the you know what it really would have been like in rome um you know uh, uh, anecdotally you know one of the funny things was you know we, we have these two scenes that take place in a in a pub-like environment that the romans are in and and we thought, well, wouldn't wouldn't there be some music, or wouldn't you know? It feels so so quiet in here, and just and and they were so adamant. They said, no, absolutely not. Romans in their pubs, there was no music. We've done the research, we've done the archaeology <laughs> search. There was no music. I thought, I I love that you guys are so concerned about these details. Maybe some drunk singing, yeah, some crazy exactly. songs, but uh, yeah, that was uh, I. Andrew is just time and time again. I thought. You have to put flesh, uh, someone like this, someone like you, you have to put flesh on, um, let's say, a, a Bible passage. So you have to invent creatively. You have to create in sense a, a sense of fiction, but uh, it, it bore so many striking resemblances to the kinds of things that I see in the archaeological record from what I hear about Rome or read about Rome and uh, the ancient world, you know, if you if you comb sources like Seneca and uh, you you catch uh, you know you catch things about the first century that that strike reality. And um, now uh, an, another theme that I thought you did a really good job on didn't overdo it uh, because this would be a theme that I think would be easy to overdo is the pressure on the Christian community to conform in the era of Nero. And I don't know exactly what date you imagined this to be but i would imagine you're in you're in the early 60s and you're think is that is that what you were thinking early 60s with nero yeah basically you know if you think of the fires uh, in rome around you know obviously there's a little bit of estimation there but around 63 to 64 yeah and then you know this this probably you know the actual timeline of of paul's death somewhere in in the 66 67 so yeah. it kind of takes place in that yeah exactly right right in the 60s there and um, you know, and, and you're totally right. There is there is a lot of of historical writings from Rome that we have, as you mentioned, Seneca. You know, there's some wonderful works, and 
and some other historians where, you know, we really do have a window into that time period um, in a way that we may not have uh, in a lot of other kind of uh, biblical uh, moments. Yeah, and Nero, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be very sanctified here. I, I consider Nero a jerk. Uh, you know, later in his career, I mean, he just he just really falls apart to me and uh, the Christian circles around him. And I thought the swirl of and whorl of activity that you had surrounding because um, there was just turbulence in Rome. And uh, I, I thought that was very credible. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of wondering um, what surprised you. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming, oh. Andrew, that you're not a Bible scholar. Uh, or, <laughs> no. Uh, what 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 surprised you when you, as as you learned and grew in making this movie the most? I think for me, you know, growing up in the church and and being familiar with Paul's story and being familiar with Scripture, but not ever really, I think, taking the time to sort of merge the historical moment with scripture. I think at, at times, you know, we hear the story so often, I think we kind of, you know, we glaze over a little bit and, and we mm -hmm. forget that this is all history. You know, this really happened. There mm -hmm. really were these individuals. There really was a Rome. It was really happening. And, and so the most surprising thing for me was being able to kind of pair the Roman experience, if you will, of, of Emperor Nero and what was going on historically at the time with this first century uh, Christian community and, and really sort of seeing uh, uh, an incredible depth of faith that I had never kind of thought mm -hmm. about before of how, how do you live the gospel in a place as evil and violent and, and really, really, uh, as you say, turbulent as, as yeah, first yeah. century Rome. And and that's something that I had just never really sat sat around and thought about. Well, I've been uh, working on Romans lately, and one of the things that uh, strikes uh, the reader of the Book of Romans, if you read it carefully, is, and a lot of people don't get here, uh, when you get to chapters 14 and 15, there is a, a language about the weak and the strong, and these are I'm pretty convinced are Jewish believers and Gentile believers, and there's a lot of tension between them. And so as I as I work through Romans, I I pay attention to tensions and tension points between believers in the city of Rome. But when your movie comes on, the days of tension between Gentile believers and Jewish believers is now put in some ways in the past because debating with one another about whether they're going to eat together is a whole lot different than what should we do if we want to live. Right. And <laughs> all of a sudden, uh, there is a much, I mean, there's tension. And I, uh, the only, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I disagree, uh, but the, the, the tension you brought out with the more zealotic or violent band of brothers in the churches, the house churches of Rome, to me was fascinating, uh, in part because Romans chapter 13, Paul's telling people to calm down. So to me, I thought, yeah, it's very credible that there could be some zealot type people, some really radical, let's, let's take swords in our hands and go after these people and fight them. We have no other chance. And they could, of course, appeal back to the Maccabees and some of the great heroes in the Jewish tradition. 
So I saw that tension there, but there wasn't much tension between the other believers, the other Christians in the house churches. And I, and I, I was relieved because I thought, yeah, you know, by the time Nero's starting to put pressure and, and Paul is in prison, people are going to unify around their faith and drop some of their differences. And I, I thought that was such a relief. And I don't know if you considered that, but I, I would be interested in how you came to the conclusion to use some of those uh, militant type people. Yeah, I think uh, to your point, you know, Romans 13, you know, uh, the, the entire thing being about submission to the authorities and, yeah, and, and yeah. the government. And um, I thought that that would that that's a really interesting question, even that to me feels very relevant to even today. You know, how how do we live in a culture uh, and live out our faith in in a way that, you know, that that. The, is the gospel and and you know what's really the point of Jesus saying turn the other cheek and and you know give Caesar what Caesar's you know what yeah where do these things come from and and why and I I just was so struck with this fascinating angle of you know okay so here's this house church this Christian community in Rome there's violence all around them they're being persecuted and as you say they would have had to band together in a way that they had to take care of each other. But then, yeah, there becomes this tension of if if somebody is not fully, if they've maybe not had a full encounter with Jesus Christ, and they're not they're not following, maybe they've come to the community in a way because they 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 see how people are acting towards each other and they like it, they like the 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 idea, but you know maybe they haven't had a full encounter with Jesus Christ. And I thought these kind of this interesting angle of these young men that have yeah. come to the community and and maybe they they like this idea of taking care of one another and and following Jesus but they haven't really bought into it i think the first human response would be to take up arms and to to say hey we have to push back we have to fight back and i thought wow that's a that's a really tough question and and i don't even know that i have a full answer in my heart of how I would react in that situation, you know, which I know we're supposed to act how Priscilla and Aquila in the community does, but isn't there something very sinful and human in all of us where we say, hey, stop pushing me around, like, you know, uh, I, let's fight back for ourselves. And, yeah, and I thought, yeah. wow, that's an interesting tension. Well, I, I thought, to me, it was credible. I, uh, and because Paul has to tell him to submit, I think there's, and, and he tells him to pay their taxes, I got to think that there was some rebellion against Rome, some anti-Rome, some belief that uh, you know we're not going to we're not going to just cave into these people. So that to me was pretty credible. I, I, you know, I'm I'm not into movie stars. I, I didn't know who James Faulkner was. I got to tell you, I knew who Jim Caviezel was, but my uh, my understanding is when characters like this act parts, they make contributions. They uh, they make suggestions. They uh, they don't just follow scripts. They they have to so indwell that character that they can fashion themselves as that character. They study, etc. What kind of contributions, uh, if you can tell us, mm -hmm. did Jim Caviezel make to Luke? Which I thought I like Caviezel, and and I thought his his role with Paul was really good. There was a little bit of humor there, and. Uh, I just fell in love with Paul, your your uh, James mm -hmm. Faulkner character. I liked his beard. I I don't know what Paul looked like. There's that second century account uh, that you know 
probably yep. maybe he was a shorter guy. But at any rate, um, what kind of contributions did they make to the characters and to you know this, even the script? Well, Jim, you know, as you know, being a believer, you know, really responded to the humanity of the the film, and and he really had said that he wasn't going to do another biblical film after the Passion huh. and and until the huh. Resurrection, you know, but. He just fell in love with this character of Luke because he he thought it was so important for audiences to see um, that these guys were real. They were real people. They struggled. Yeah. Um, they had doubts. Uh, they they had to lift each other up. You know, they yeah. had to yeah. they had to have a real a real brother a real brotherhood a real friendship with each other to keep each other going. And he just loved this idea of bringing that humanity, and that's where the humor kind of came from. And and just really, um, you know, exploring. You know, Luke is such a funny character to me because we we talk so little about him yep. uh, in the church, and yet here's the guy. You know, between him and Paul, they wrote half of the New Testament. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he's he's with Paul on a lot of these trips in the we Absolutely. the we sections. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So so it was great to kind of be able to dive into that. And Jim really loved kind of pulling out. You know this idea of, man, these guys must have really been close because how could you spend 15, 20 years yeah, yeah. Side and not, um, and not have such a, such a strong friendship. So he really brought that. And then, you know, James was just so phenomenal because, you know, one thing James said uh, on the very first day when we met um, and he was, he was actually a very late addition. We were already over in Malta. We were about two, two weeks out from shooting when, um, when we got him uh, uh, to play Paul, um, it was just it was so difficult to find someone to really capture this this amazing personality. And one thing James said on that first day, he just said, you know, hey, I I'm not a believer, um, but I read the script and I I am so amazed by this guy. I, I'm I'm amazed by the story. I'm amazed by the history. I'm amazed by who this who this guy was. And and in the little research I did, and but he said, you know, what I want to do is just be open to a transformation. I want to be open to transforming through this film. And, you know, he really, he really did. There were some moments there where that they're so powerful. Yeah. And I really think it was because of that, that he, he didn't put his own agenda in. He didn't put his own baggage in. Oh, wow. He just said, I want to be open. And, um, and his life has really changed by the way. I can share that because he's been saying it in interviews, but you know, his life has changed through this film. You know, he says that, uh, that, you know, he, he was saying the other day how, uh, you know, he hadn't been baptized and maybe that was something that needed to change. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, beautiful. Well, that's, that, you know, okay, I want to back up to Luke. Um, I thought the story of Luke going to heal, who, what was the man's name, his daughter? Yeah, Mauritius' daughter. Yeah, yeah. Mauritius. That was clearly one of the most dramatic moments in the movie. And uh, I thought, I don't know who that Mauritius was himself as an actor. Uh, he, he, uh, he struck me as very credible and uh, distant and cold. But with his daughter breaking down, you did a great job with this little narrative within the story to create Luke as a doctor and Luke as a healer. And, oh, when he goes there, it is, uh, that is, that's pretty spectacular. And, and I liked how you... I guess I'm giving some spoiler alerts here, how you <laughs> created their inability to solve their daughter's uh, sickness problems through their own strategies, but it was through the uh, the work of God's spirit through Luke uh, that this healing came. So I, 
I thought that was a that was a nice touch. I I was pretty impressed with how you did that as a narrative within the story. So, oh, um, you know, yeah, just yeah. just a li real quick, you know, Olivier Martinez who plays the the Roman prefect Mauritius. Yeah, he he. What I loved about his approach to the character was exactly what you're saying, where. You know, how how can somebody in this culture who, who you know, believes in, in the pagan gods of Rome and and would believe in, in that's how everything flows through, you know, your your success, mm -hmm. your your everything in life would come through the favor of the gods. You know how he, he always wanted to take a an approach where he wanted to ask the hard questions of these Christians. He wanted to not immediately say, whoa, this is amazing, you know, which sometimes Christian films do, you know, there's a, yep. there's a kind of a moment and then there's an altar call and suddenly the guy is, is a Christian. And he said, I don't want any moment to be false. I don't want any moment to come across as that was too easy. And I, I think it plays very well when, when um, you have a character that's so hardened by his life, yet it's the love that is shown to him and his family is what starts to change him. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I and that was, uh, I I would just say that was just spectacular, and incredible. Uh, so it, and 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 Mauritius, whatever he was, he was cold. He was tough, uh, and even with the, with the, all the all that occurred with the resolution for his daughter. Uh, he, he's not bending over backwards now to clap and joining the house churches. You know, he's, it's, it's real. I, I, I thought that was fantastic. Um, in your study of the movie or in your presentation of the movie, um, tell me how you decide where to begin. I mean, to me, this is the fascinating thing of creative people like you, Andrew, is I would begin at the beginning and tell a narrative. You all of a sudden you start in one spot. Uh, how did you create the narrative? What 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 gave you the the vision to say this is where we need to start so that it can all work itself out? Is there mm. is there any way you can talk about that? Yeah, I think you know for me I was just the the reason I wanted to make this film and the reason I was fascinated with. Paul is because I just wanted to discover who he really was, you know, who, who really the, the, the humanity behind this man, if you will. And I had an early, a couple early drafts of the film that were really the, the A to Z Paul story, you know, they were, yeah, yeah. and, and as you know, uh, better than anyone, you know, it's a massive story, you know, it's absolutely, uh, uh, you know, the, the guy basically lived 10 lifetimes, you know, it's unbelievable <laughs> how much he did in, in 30 years. And so, I was looking at these drafts and, you know, it was just, it just, I wasn't getting to know him. I, I just, I, it was nice, you know, it was nice to kind of put the events that we can read right there in our Bibles on screen, but I, I just didn't get any new insight into who he was or, or the kind of, the kind of uh, man or personality or anything. So that's why I really started to dive into maybe I need to find a, a particular moment of his life so that I can really kind of unwrap uh, these incredible layers of this of this amazing individual, and so by focusing then at the very end, I came across Second Timothy. You know, obviously having read it over and over, all, all of his letters and this. And when I thought more about Second Timothy from a human perspective, um, not necessarily a Bible perspective, meaning I'm thinking about this guy sitting in a cell writing his last letter 
to to someone he loves, you know, uh, to Timothy, who's like a son to him. And suddenly those words just became really, man, they just became really powerful and moving. And and I thought, this is this guy's kind of last will and testament. You know, here's mm-hmm. here's the wisdom you mm-hmm. can take from my life. Here you go, church. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that just really moved me. And I thought, maybe that's the moment I need to focus on, is to stick with him. And let's learn what Paul has to say at the very end of his life. What wisdom can he tell us, uh, not only to the first century community, but also to us today? You know, is there... Is there a relevance and a wisdom? And I, I, that's what I love about the film is I, I still get bits and pieces out of it, even have, having seen it a thousand <laughs> times. You know, I get bits and pieces out of it that are so relevant to to my life today. And I guess that just again shows that you know, Scripture is the the living, breathing Word of God. It's not it's not a history lesson. It it really is alive today. Andrew, well, that's I so thought, cool, man. I, yeah, you know, one of yeah. the things that's been neat to see is how well it has done in the, the box office, that it's not just been you who's had that experience as you've rewatched it, but um, many other people who have been able to um, take part in your, your film and, and check it out have, I'm sure, been transformed by it. I wonder if you have any insight on just um, that interest that seems like has been there for taking in this film that you put together. Yeah, you know, I think it was sort of a word of mouth. It's been a, it's been an incredible build. You know, the film's doing very well, and and you know, m- most importantly, the responses are are very um, just moving. You know, people being really affected emotionally and convicted uh, spiritually, and and these things. But uh, you know, really, it just took a little bit because I think that you know, like we started, you know, there is a hesitancy to these films of. Man, are they really going to do this right? Who's involved? Yeah, yeah. Um, are they going to, you know, are they going to butcher, you know, the the greatest New Testament individual, you know, <laughs> outside of Christ? You know, what what are they going to do here? So, but I think it's been amazing that once people see the film, uh, the response is incredible, and they, you know, they go back two three times, they bring ten friends, you know, it's it's been an incredible journey, and I, and I'm excited to see how it continues. You know, we've got a big international release coming up in the next few weeks. And it'll just be great to see kind of how it uh, continues to transform people. You know, the, uh, when we finished, my wife said, uh, she was sitting with me and Chris says, I just love that movie. That was, that was just so much better than I expected. Cause it's not very often that I recommend a movie for us to go to. In fact, it's maybe one out of a hundred. I'll, I'll go see a movie on, um, uh, Sean Connery or something like that on a teacher, uh, something like that. But I said, Chris, we've got to go see this movie. And, oh, we just thought it was fantastic. Um, and I and I thought your decision, uh, so that's why I asked you this question about uh, where do you start. The decision to go from the end, Paul in prison, Luke talking to him, which seems readable, uh, reasonable to me, uh, the the surrounding house church is just completely at odd are at uh, just wondering at the ends of their life what what's going to happen and who's going to live who's going to survive starting at that in the crucible of Paul's life I think allowed you to to reveal the true colors of the man the character of the man his beliefs put on line and even at times. He looks at Luke and says, no, this isn't the way of Christ. And when he hears about the violence of the young man, he says, this isn't the way Jesus taught. That to me, Andrew, was so brilliant because it put into living reality what 
I, I think what the life of Paul uh, was like because he put into practice uh, his theology, his his belief in the gospel, his way of following Christ. So I I really liked where you began, and and I would tell my students this: Andrew had to study his life from the beginning to the end and put together all the facts before he knew where to start this movie. And if you don't do all those facts first, uh, you don't have the depth and the thickness of character that, that comes. So I just want to commend you for, for starting where you did. I thought it was a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, absolutely you have to, you have to know the story backwards and forwards before you can kind of get into a, a layer like that. But, you know, one of the things that excites me about the film and, and excites me about the opportunity to make films like this is it, it, I think it allows you to kind of see that, you know, the faith of these people, of these individuals that we know their stories, we read scripture all the time, is is a real lived experience. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not Paul sitting on a, at a lakeside cabin, writing these theological, you know, treatises on on the faith. You know, this is yeah. really a, he he's saying these things because he lived them, and and yeah, yeah. He, he there was a really needed, uh, you know, the the reason to write Acts even was coming out of a felt need in the community. I love that idea because they they weren't sitting around saying, okay. Someday there's going to be this Bible thing, and and it's going to be read by billions <laughs> of people, and it, we're going to be famous, and it's going to be great. You know, it was no. This community needs to hear some wisdom, so let me yeah. let me give it to them, and it can only come out of Paul's lived experience, which is uh, to me very convicting, and I and but also encouraging and inspiring, and and I hope an audience can leave with that of saying, you know, Paul doesn't say the things he says without the lived experience of, of what he went through, and and. Are we living a, a real experience of our faith where at the end of our life, we're able to kind of look back and, and, and offer that kind of wisdom? Yeah, Andrew, that was, uh, we often finish our interviews with, uh, do you have any last words? That was such an inspiring little sermon that you gave there at the end that it just ties it all together. And I think that's what happened to both my wife and me when we watched your movie. We came away thinking, oh, this is good. This is this this is what we believe. This is a man who mapped uh, a path, who lived out his faith in the middle of in the midst of heat. He was in the crucible, and he said, um, "For me to live is 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 fine. I, I'm willing to die uh, for the sake of the gospel." So, mm -hmm. Andrew, I just want to tell you from a New Testament professor's angle, thanks so much for this wonderful movie on Paul. And I will always encourage my classes to watch this movie if they want to understand uh, the guts of Paul's personality. So thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Thank, thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks and thank so much. Yeah. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. We want to encourage you to go check out Andrew and his team's movie. They've done a great job of um, really putting to film what we talk about a lot here on the podcast of how the kingdom took root. And it certainly wouldn't have taken root without God using Luke and Paul. And so we want to encourage you to check that out. Also, before we go, would love to have you join us on May 14th for the Taste of Northern Lecture that Scott is doing on his new book, Open to the Spirit. I'll include 
a link in the show notes to that, but um, would love to be able to have you join us on that Monday and just experience what it's like to sit in class with Scott. So um, grateful again to have you as a listener and look forward to being with you next time as we continue our conversation on how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Thank you.